0: How many women here have ever had babies? Good, because if I make any mistakes today, I want you to correct me because I'm going to be talking about birth. Birth. Before I do, I know it's the sixth day of, of Hanukkah, and there are some who uh, may not be a whole uh, completely aware of what Hanukkah is. I just want to give you a, a one-minute explanation of Hanukkah before I get into the topic of birth. The Feast of Hanukkah celebrates a great victory for the Jewish people. It was a victory by a clan called the Maccabees, headed by the father, Matityahu. No, he's not a Jewish rap star. He was actually the head of the Maccabee clan. And his son, Judas. It was in 165 B.C., before the Common Era, when Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus was his real name, Epiphanes was the name he gave himself, which meant the holy, wonderful God. The Jewish people, by the way, gave him a nickname, Epimenes, which meant idiot. But uh, (laughs) He was the king of Syria from 175 to 164 B.C., and he tried to abolish Judaism as a whole. He tried to abolish the religion as a whole. He attacked Jerusalem. He killed tens of thousands of Jewish people. Why were they killed? Because he passed laws that they could not celebrate Shabbat. They could not keep kosher. They could not circumcise their children. And if they were found following any of God's commandments, then they were killed. He profaned the temple courts. He profaned the temple chambers. He sacrificed pigs to the pagan god Zeus on the altars of God. But the Maccabees, Judah and his brothers fought Epiphanes and they won. Praise God. They cleansed and restored the temple, and they rebuilt the altar, and the Feast of Hanukkah, this Feast of Dedication, or the Festival of Lights, is celebrated by the Jews even to this day. Now, some of you may think that the reason we celebrate Hanukkah is because one little vial of oil after the temple was dedicated, cleansed and rededicated, one little vial of oil actually lasted for eight days, until en- enough oil could be brought and um, processed in order to keep the ner tamid, the eternal light, burning in the, uh, in the temple. However, there's no historical fact that black- backs that up. There is historical fact, however, that backs up another interpretation of Hanukkah. You'll find it in the book of Second Maccabees. Now, I know Second Maccabees is not part of the canon of Scripture, but it is a historical book, part of the Apocrypha. And in 2 Maccabees chapter 10 verses 5 to 7 we find out that because the Jewish people could not celebrate Sukkot could not celebrate the feast of tabernacles in the tabernacles for 7 years the Maccabees and their brothers decided to celebrate tabernacles when they rededicated the temple on Hanukkah and here's a quote it said they had garland wands Flowering branches of palm fawns. It's exactly what's happening at Sukkot when the palm trees are persuaded with the uh, lulav uh, and the etrog. And so, whether you believe in the story of the eight-day miracle of the oil or whether you believe in the historical facts of the uh, celebration of Sukkot, this festival, though not a biblical festival as spoken of in the Hebrew Scriptures, is still one that's celebrated. Every year, matter of fact, you'll find it mentioned prominently in the Book of John when Solomon was walking, uh, when Yeshua was walking in Solomon's porch, Solomon's colonnade during the Feast of Dedication. But this morning, I want to talk about birth. I mean, this is after all the holy time when most of the world celebrates the birth of Messiah, even though his birthday was not December twenty-fifth two years before, two years after, whatever, 2,000 years ago. It's always a good time to celebrate our Messiah's birth. And I know that when I first came to faith, and actually it was before I came to faith, when I first started considering coming to faith, I picked up the Bible and I turned to the New Covenant Scriptures because I had never read the New Covenant Scriptures before. And where do you begin when you turn to the New Covenant Scriptures? You turn to Matthew. So turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1. I normally ask you to stand as I read Scripture, but I'm going to be reading the entirety of the book, uh, first chapter of Matthew. And so you can stand with me in your heart, uh, if you will. And I'll be having some things to say about it uh, along the way. And I left one of my pages of notes at home, so I'm going to ad-lib it. The book of the genealogy of Yeshua HaMashiach, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The son of David. Well, we certainly know that he is often referred to as the son of David, from the line of David. But be truthful. How many of you ever thought of Yeshua as the son of Abraham? Not Many. And yet here it is in the first verse of Matthew, in the first chapter of Matthew, talking about the genealogy of our Messiah, Yeshua. The genealogy of Yeshua, son of David, son of Abraham. You have to take that verse, that verse and read it in reverse, which is okay, because Hebrew is read from right to left. Can I get some response so I know I'm clicking with everybody? Hebrew is read from right to left. Son of Abraham. Why would that be the first mentioned genealogy of our Messiah? Well, it was in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, that God spoke covenantal blessings to Abraham, promising the coming of Messiah. In you, God says to Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you. In other words, in his loins, in his descendants. And of course, one of his descendants would be David, would be uh, Yeshua. And the son of David, why would he be called the son of David? Well, if you can, turn with me quickly to 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 to 17. Second Samuel 7, verses 12 to 17. This is God speaking to David through the prophet Nathan. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your father's, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. You will remember that God would not allow David to build the temple because his hands were too bloody from war. It would be David's son Solomon that would build the temple. But God still makes a promise to David about his dynasty being reigned in the world forever. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14, I will be his father and he shall be my son. I will be his father and he shall be my son. Verse 15, my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I removed for you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, there's that dream again, vision. Nathan spoke to David, the genealogy of our Messiah, son of Abraham, son of David, son of God. Now, I'm not going to read all the begots, because he begot him, and he begot him, and he begot him, and he begot him, and you can't pronounce a lot of the names of the peace he begot anyway. But I do want to bring your attention to verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Messiah are? What's the common denominator? 14 generations. Is there any word or any number or any phrase in Scripture that is there by accident? No. No. So I asked myself, why 14? What's so special about 14 generations? Well, you know that Hebrew letters also stand for numbers. Does anyone here know how to spell 14 in Hebrew? What letters they are? Yud Dalid. And what word does Yud Dalid spell? Yad, hand. Because you see, God's hand was on the birth of Messiah from the promises made to Abraham all the way to the birth of his one and only son. God's hand was on him during the first trimester, if you will, of Messiah's birth. Born of the Spirit, Israel itself not really showing the birth too much, but yet the baby starting to form in the womb of its mother, Messiah's birth was there in the second trimester from David until the Babylonian captivity as the baby is now growing and the mother is growing and getting a little uncomfortable. Can I get an amen from some of the ladies? And Israel was having hormonal problems at the time too with kings that weren't very great, with people that weren't very great, with enemies that God brought upon them because they were idolatrous and they served other gods. And then finally, in the third trimester, the one between the Babylonian exile and the coming of Messiah, that's when the baby is really ready. That's when the mother is really ready. That's where the eyes of the baby in the mother's womb start to open, because before that, even from the first trimester, the eyelids are closed in order to protect the eyes of the child. The baby, in fact, turns upside down, head down. The baby knows it's time for delivery as well. And I believe this is the way that God's hand was on Israel during all three of the trimesters, preparing the way for the birth of the Savior of the world. And so we come to verse 18. And for this verse, unto the uh, rest of the chapter, I am going to ask you to stand with me as I read God's Word. Now the birth of Yeshua HaMashiach was as follows. After his mother Miriam was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Ruach HaKodesh. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just and upright man, and not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, there's that theme again, Mm -hmm. appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Miriam your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Ruach HaKodesh, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, Yeshua. Amen. You may be seated. Messiah, son of Abraham, the future promise, the line of promise, which, by the way, if you go through all the begots, Included Ruth, a Gentile Moabite, Messiah, son of David, a Messiah growing with future promise as well. And oh, by the way, included in the begots in the second trimester is a son who was born by Solomon, an adulterer, David, an adulterer, to Bathsheba, a king named Solomon. Solomon. If you ever think God can't use you because of what you've done in your life, just read the scriptures a couple times. And then finally, the fulfillment and birth. In the midst, first of dispersion, and then of Roman occupation. The birth of Yeshua HaMashiach was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, now you have to understand the Jewish wedding ceremony at that time to understand this scripture. You were considered married as soon as you were betrothed. The groom's father paid a bride's price to the bride's father in order to make, in Yiddish, what's called a shiddach or a connection. A connection, a, um, a, 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 a match. There you go. Um, but it's made with a price. Just as God the Father paid a price so that we can become the bride of His Son. And then what would happen is, the groom would go away. Even though they were betrothed, they didn't live together. The groom would go away. Where would he go? To his father's house. And what would he do at his father's house? he would prepare a bridal chamber and he would prepare a bridal gown making ready, if you will, for his bride to come and be with him in the bridal chamber. Just as our groom, right now as I speak, is in heaven in his father's house doing what? Preparing a place for us. I wonder what my bridal gown's going to look like. I hope he gets the seam length right. (laughs) And then what would happen when the father said the time was right. When the father saw that the bridal chamber was ready. When the father saw that the gown was beautiful and perfectly fit for the bride. Then the groom would come back with all his buddies. With trumpeting. With music. Typically in the middle of the night. And whisk his bride away to the bridal chamber. And I believe that our Messiah will come for us with trumpeting as well. I believe the Messiah will come for us with his friends, with the saints. And I believe that he will whisk us away to our bridal chamber. For a marriage supper of the Lamb that is better than any reception you've ever seen at a wedding that you've ever been to. But you see, the betrothal was before the consummation the physical consummation of the marriage. That took place in the bridal chamber. And so, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, now you understand why they were betrothed, but this event that's about to be talked about happened before they physically consummated the marriage. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Ruach HaKodesh. Okay, you're Joseph. What are you thinking? The Not King James Version goes like this. My bride's been messing around. How else could she become impregnated? It wasn't me. I've been busy in my father's house. She's certainly got a bump in her belly. It had to be something else, someone else... And so we continue to the next verse. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just and upright man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. You must understand that the Jewish custom and regulations of the day didn't demand, but suggested that if this happened to any man who was betrothed to a wife and during that betrothal period that wife became pregnant by another man, he was okay to take her out and publicly proclaim her sin in front of the community to make sure everybody knew that this was not his fault, that this was not his child, that he was annulling the marriage contract and it was sealed by public consent but not Joseph it says he was a righteous and upright man you know what else it doesn't say about Joseph but is inferred here he loved Miriam deeply he did not want to embarrass her he did not want to make her a eyesore in the community and so he figured out well what I'll do because I certainly can't marry her I mean she's been messing around with somebody else in the community Lord knows who and the Lord did know who. Yeah. I'll just do this quietly. I'll just do this secretly. I'll just do this so the people who need to know, know. And then we can all get on with our lives. Verse 20. But while he thought about these things. While he thought about these things. Not while the Lord instructed him about these things. Are you getting the difference? While he thought about these things, while he's trying to figure this out in his own mind while he's trying to take hold of the situation and figure out a solution while he was making sure that he was going to be okay without the instruction of God yet while he had not brought this problem to the Lord How many of us do the same How many of us when we get in a mess say to ourselves well what have I got to do instead of saying Lord what needs to be done? How many of us don't spend enough time in prayer so that we know when the Lord is speaking to us as opposed to our own mind speaking to us? And believe me, I found out the difference maybe 20 years after I came to faith. I found out the difference when I started praying more and thinking less. But Joseph, Joseph, while he thought about these things, all of a sudden something happened. Behold, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Remember we talked about the hand of the Lord being upon all three trimesters of the birth of our Messiah. God was not about to let Joseph determine what his actions were going to be. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Son of who? David. Son of David. Who was Joseph's father? Anybody know? It's right here in Matthew one. We missed it in all the bagots. Go ahead. I'll let you look for it. Who was Joseph's father? Jacob. Jacob verse sixteen. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Miriam. Why did the angel call him son of David? Because when God spoke to Joseph in a dream by the Spirit of the Lord to tell Joseph you are the son of David he was telling him you're of the line of the Messiah. He wasn't identifying him by his father. He was identifying him by his messianic lineage. And whenever you see the the phrase son of David, you know it's always a reference of the Messiah. I.e., This angel in this dream got Joseph's attention. I think he would have gotten our attention as well. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife. Why would he be afraid? I mean, all he could do is just denounce her in public and get on with his life. If he took her as his wife, what would he have to be afraid of? disbanding from the community, shame, guilt, losing his business. I mean, these guys did have to make a living. Perhaps being sent out of the community, living on his own, living with a quote-unquote stained wife and a child who was, pardon the expression, a bastard, He would have lost everything that his entire upbringing was all about. He would have lost everything, I think, that had to do with his business, his occupation, with the way that he would provide for his family. He would have lost his family. He would have lost his friends. And yet the angel says in the dream, by way of instruction and also comfort, don't be afraid. Has there been any time in your life when the Lord has spoken to you something that you think, I can't do that? Maybe sometimes the whisper of the Lord behind that instruction is, and don't be afraid, because I'm with you. He appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Miriam, your wife. This angel is also reconfirming the understanding that he's already betrothed. That she already belongs to him and he already belongs to her and not to be afraid of the consequences of completing that marriage arrangement despite the fact that Miriam is now pregnant and it wasn't Joseph. Do not be afraid to take to you Miriam your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, either Joseph's deep asleep or he's got some real believing faith. Conceived of the Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit. Why would that be necessary? Messiah couldn't be conceived of a man because with mankind is the genetic genetic sin problem that came all the way from the Adams family. He could only be conceived by something that had no sin, by someone that had no sin. And so the child was conceived in Mary's womb, Miriam's womb, by the sinless Holy Spirit of God. The sinless Holy Spirit of God. And then the angel continues, She will bring forth a son, Oh, wait a minute. Shouldn't that say, she will bring forth a baby, and when the baby gets old enough, he'll determine whether he's a boy or a girl? Oh, wait a minute. That's modern interpretation. I forgot. She will bring forth a son. In every translation that you have, if you look it up, it says, And you shall call his name Jesus. Right? For he will save his people from their sins. How many people here know that Hebrew names have great significance? What does Daniel mean? The judge of God. Dan is a judge. What does Ariel mean? The lion of God. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. In Hebrew, what does Jesus mean? But if the angel is talking to Joseph in Hebrew, because I think he is, we'll all be speaking Hebrew in heaven. He's not talking to him in Greek. He's not talking to him in Latin. For sure he's not talking to him in English. He says to Joseph, You will call him Yeshua because he will yesha save his people because his name is salvation. She will give birth to a son and you shall call his name Yeshua for he will save his people from their sins. Boy, what a dream that was, huh? It was a dream of comfort. Do not be afraid. It was a dream of instruction. Take to you, Miriam, your wife. It was a a dream of announcement and information. The child that's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, it's not one of your guys from town. And finally, It was a dream of salvation, of a son whose name would be salvation, of a son who would save his people from their sins. And so all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her. This is talking about physical knowledge. Did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, And Joseph obeyed the command of God through the angel in the dream. He called his name Yeshua. This is a crazy time of year, in my opinion. As we prayed this morning before service, to some people it's a time of, of great joyousness and frivolity and happiness. To some people, it's a time of depression and loneliness and sadness. You would think that even though we, don't, we know that December 25th was not his birthday, if God wanted us to know his birthday, he would have told us in the scripture, he certainly told us the day of his death. That on this week where the world as a whole celebrated the birth of the Savior of the world, depression, sadness, and loneliness would not be with us. But it is. I've read reports that suicide rates are higher this time of year than any other time of year. And the main reason that they give is that too many people don't have family to be joyous with. Too many people don't have family to be joyous with. And so my prayer for our congregation is that we would be family to those who have no family. We would be comfort to those who need comfort. We would be a place of rest and peace to those who have no rest and peace. And not because we're so great, not because we're so good. Not because we have this pretty new building. No. It's because the Messiah dwells here. And we serve him. And he is the God of grace. And the God of peace. And the God of comfort. And the God of love. And the God of hope. May this season of the year be a reminder to us. That we are not just receivers of eternal life and peace. We have to be examples and models and sharers of eternal life and peace. I encourage you. I strongly encourage you. That's because I can't demand it of you. I strongly encourage you. Share your faith with somebody who needs it. Tell them that there's this crazy congregation with people not only from all colors and races and ethnicities, but all different countries from around the world who come together as family and we'd like to make you part of that family. And let's lift Messiah up in this place so that he might draw people unto him. Amen? Amen. 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 Abba Father, thank you for the birth of your son. What else is there to pray? Amen.